Welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we peel back the onion on Sunday's win. We'll take a look at the numbers, the team rankings, individual metrics, snap counts, and the all 22 before we hear from Dolphins coordinators and assistants. All of that and more on this Tuesday, December the 8th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. Hey, Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and much more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Let's go ahead and start as we do every Tuesday here on Drive Time by giving you the Dolphins' latest rankings through the week of action. Of course, we will not have the Ravens and Cowboys game from later on tonight included in this grouping of statistics, but your Dolphins' offense who's 25.6 points per game, are 16th in the NFL. The Dolphins are 28th in total offense, 26th in rushing, 24th in passing, and 25th on third down. On the defensive side of the ball, 17.7 points per game allowed. That's second in the NFL, just 0.1 points behind the Pittsburgh Steelers at 17.6 for the top spot in the National Football League. The total defense ranks 16th. They are 21st in rushing defense, 15th in passing defense. And then how about these stats? 31 sacks are tied for 10th. 21 takeaways are second. And the third down defense at 32.2% is the best in the National Football League. So some impressive defensive rankings that we certainly will track throughout the course of this year to see where the Dolphins wind up in four weeks at the end of the season. Definitely on track for a good finish in all those categories so far. Let's go ahead and jump to the special teams here and talk about some of the individual metrics here. Miami remains, this is a team metric, but a lot of guys contributing to Miami's top spot among football outsiders, special teams DVOA. They still edge out the Ravens in the top spot in that category. And Jason Sanders could miss his next five field goals and still maintain his spot as the most accurate kicker in Miami Dolphins history. 69 of 79. He's got an 87.3 career field goal percentage. He's got 28 field goals. That is number two in the NFL this season. The 96.6 field goal percentage this season is number two also among kickers with at least 20 attempts. He scored 111 points this season, a career high, and the 16th most in franchise history. The return man, Jakeem Grant, he still leads all punt returners with his 327 punt return yards. And the guy putting the other team in bad field position, Matt Hawk, his 42.5 net punting average is ninth in the NFL. His 21 punts down inside the 20-yard line are fifth best in the National Football League. And Miami's penalty stats are still near the top of the league in terms of fewest penalties committed, the third fewest penalties with 57 this season, and the third fewest penalty yardage assessed with 464 yards. Dolphins offensive snap counts here real quick. Tua Tungavailoa, along with four offensive linemen, played all 70 snaps in the game. Austin Jackson, Ted Karras, Solomon Kinley, and Robert Hunt. 
Jesse Davis came off the bench and replaced uh, Eric Flowers with the ankle injury. Davis played 56 snaps. Flowers played 14. And Julian Davenport played two snaps in that heavy package down around the goal line. Receivers, Devontae Parker played 55. Jakeem Grant, 39. Lynn Bowden, a career-high 31 snaps. And Matt Collins and Antonio Callaway both played 13 snaps each. Mike Kosicki was out there for 41 snaps. Durham Smythe, 41. Plenty of 12 personnel there with those two guys. And Adam Shaheen gives you 26 reps as well. Plenty of reps there among your tight ends. At running back, Miles Gaskin played 50. That was 71% of the workload his first game back. Patrick Laird gets 19 snaps. And Chandler Cox gives you 12 in the game as well. As far as the individual metrics and notes here, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, 4-1 through his first five starts. No interceptions. He tied the franchise record for most consecutive starts without an interception. He tied Jay Fiedler with that mark from back in 2000. He's the third quarterback in the Super Bowl era to not throw an interception in his first five starts, joining Dak Prescott and Kyle Allen, minimum 100 attempts, and nobody has gone six starts without an interception, so that is something to track this week against Kansas City. And he continues to get the job done against the Blitz. He was 12 for 18 with 127 yards and a touchdown pass against the Blitz. That according to Pro Football Focus, which brings him up to 34 for 59 with 333 passing yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 101.9 passer rating against an extra rusher per PFF. He also has a 99.4 passer rating, which is 11th best in the National Football League and best among all rookie quarterbacks. Miles Gaskin, 90 yards on the ground at 4.3 yards per attempt. He also added the 51 receiving yards, 39 of that after the catch. That was a season high for the Dolphins with 141 yards from scrimmage, also a career high for Gaskin. Gasicki caught ten, uh, nine of his 10 targets rather for 88 yards. He now has the most receptions in a game since Randy McMichael at tight end in 2004. His 537 receiving yards are fourth among all tight ends and his 13.8 yards per reception ranks him third, minimum 15 receptions. And he also caught two of his three targets for 37 yards, also for two first downs, going up against the top-graded safety on PFF in Cincinnati's Jesse Bates. His four receiving touchdowns are tied for ninth among all NFL tight ends, and the nine touchdowns going back to Week 13 of last season are tied for third among his position mates over that span. Rookie receiver Lynn Bowden caught all four of his pass targets for 41 yards and a pair of first downs. He also added a rush for 11 yards and moved the chains there. And the Dolphins found some running room off either edge. They had six carries off either end and posted 51 rushing yards per PFF. That's 8.5 yards a clip. And rookie right tackle Robert Hunt had an 82.2 run blocking grade on PFF. That was a game high for either side. The Dolphins only allowed Three quarterback pressures in the game. Center Ted Karras, tackle Austin Jackson, and guards Eric Flowers and Jesse Davis all pitched pass protection clean sheets with zero sacks, hits, or hurries. On the defensive side, snap counts here. On the defensive line, Christian Wilkins, 44 reps in the game, 85% player. This guy's conditioning continues to impress. Raekwon Davis gives you 28, and Zach Sealer gives you 26. Emmanuel Ogba talking about conditioning, 42 snaps. Another impressive showing from him. Shaq Lawson plays 33. Jason Strobridge plays 2. And Dolphins linebackers got plenty of work. Kyle Van Noy leads the way with 47 snaps. That's 90% of the workload. Jerome Baker played 43 reps. Andrew Van Ginkle, 22. And Calvin Munson, in place of Elandon Roberts, who left the game with an injury, plays 9. Roberts had 8. 
In the secondary, Byron Jones never left the field, played all 52 snaps. Nick Needham had 41 snaps in the game, Xavier Howard 30. Noah Igbenogany, 22 snaps in this game, no catches allowed on 18 coverage reps. He had he was targeted one time and the pass went incomplete. Jamal Perry had two snaps in the game and at safety, Bobby McCain did not leave the field. He played all 52 snaps. Eric Rowe played 41 and Brandon Jones played 28 in the game. Linebacker Kyle Van Noy had the three sacks in the win. That's a career high. But he also picked up five tackles for loss. That's the second most TFLs in a game by any NFL player this season and the most for the Dolphins since 2008. Talked about Ogba a little bit earlier. Nine pressures in this game, five QB hits on Bengals quarterbacks. His 53 quarterback pressures on PFF are fourth among edge defenders. He's tied for eighth in sacks. He's tied for eighth in quarterback hits with 19. He also added two run stops, giving him 23 on the season. That's 14th most among edge defenders. Shaq Lawson had the two sacks, three total quarterback pressures, also picked up a pair of run stops and forced an incompletion in coverage on that reverse pass to the quarterback. And speaking of coverage, cornerback Xavier Howard now has 20 interceptions in his last 34 games. His eight this season are too shy of the team record. Dick Westmoreland in 1967 had 10. He's tied for 13th in franchise history in career interceptions with Brock Marion and leads the NFL with his eight picks this year. He allowed just 23 yards receiving on five targets and quarterbacks have a passer rating of 48.9 when targeting him this season. That's best in the NFL. Safety Eric Rowe made four run stops and allowed just 20 yards receiving on four targets. His 22 run stops are ninth most among safeties and the 5.2 yards per target allowed is the second fewest among safeties as well for Eric Rowe, having a hell of a season. Speaking of a hell of a season, Bobby McCain records a pass breakup and three more tackles. He now has 38 combined tackles with just one miss, according to Pro Football Reference. That 2.6% missed tackle rate is the lowest among NFL safeties. And staying in that secondary, Nick Needham, a lot of eyes on him this week going up against Tyler Boyd, who entered play with a second most yards from the slot. Needham allowed just eight yards receiving on two targets, had an interception and a pass breakup as well. So go check out the piece on MiamiDolphins.com inside the numbers. Let's go ahead and spin this thing forward to the All-22 review. And we're going to start on defense this time. And I know we usually do offense first. Let's go ahead and make a change. Why? Well, because... I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Yeah, that's going to be it. Let's go ahead and break into this Dolphins All-22 review on the defensive side. And my only real general note here is just talking about the way this defense has defended these offenses in that Shanahan McVay tree, obviously Zach Taylor coming out of Los Angeles there with Sean McVay, but the Dolphins have done so well this year defensively against the Rams, 49ers, and now the Bengals with that condensed offense with all the window dressing and the pre-snap motion. Miami just continues to really communicate well on the back end and create pressure with that effort combined with the versatility up in the front with the pass rushers. And that, you know, can really come at a moment's notice for any offense. So they have a hard time picking up this pass rush while Miami does a good job communicating on the back end to get all that stuff figured out on that side of the football. We start up front with Christian Wilkins. The thing that I really like the most about Christian is how versatile he is. And I'm not just talking about the number of positions that he plays, which of course are a plenty, a guy that plays 85% of your snaps up front, but it's all about the different schemes that he can beat and the variety of routes to winning reps that he has, like different ways he can win reps. You can have him shade the center and hold a double team. You can slide him out to the three technique and he can stack and work off the block to get to the ball carrier that way. He can work down the line backside and find the football. He can beat power man scheme or he can beat zone. He just shows 
some of that versatility in most games he plays very early on in this game he shows it had a just a big fan of the way Christian Wilkins played in this game and has been playing recently Shaq Lawson had some very high praise for Christian Wilkins on his post-game press conference but I thought he had a similar game off the edge as well impactful versatile resetting the line in the running game we saw the pass rush with the two sacks the first one was a nice job of working back inside after a stunt on the other side of the formation with Ogba and Van Noy they forced Allen off of his spot and then Lawson stacks up and works back inside keeping his eyes on the quarterback to get around back for that sack opportunity creating opportunities for one another but his second sack was all him. He just got under the pads, under the outside shoulder of the left tackle and cornered through the contact and used that to kind of propel himself and lay out to get Allen to the ground. Earlier in the game, when he was in coverage on the throwback on Brandon Allen, I just love the way he recognized that play and got out in space because he was, the quarterback had been left in no man's land. Nobody was out there and Shaq Lawson ran it down because if he's all alone, maybe you get a better throw from receiver throwing the football with no coverage. Instead, Shaq Lawson there in coverage and the ball's a bit underthrown and we get an incomplete pass. So both those guys, the Clemson alumni, getting the job done big time. Uh, Nick Needham had the big interception to close out the football game after Van Noy got his hands on it. Of course, his second pick in as many weeks, but I love the way he's getting off blocks on screen passes. There was a double team on him on a screen earlier in the game, and he gets off of the block to get another hat to the football to help his guys rally and get the ball carrier down. All the cornerbacks have done that this year. It's been fun to watch. Speaking of the cornerbacks, Byron Jones, the first third down stop of the game, Higgins is split to the field, the wide side of the formation, and he does a little stutter and go route, and Jones is just absolutely glued to him, creates this tiny window for Allen to shoot it towards. The ball's high and enough away to take Higgins out of bounds, so he eliminates that window by really pinning the receiver in and giving the quarterback a tiny, tiny opportunity for a completion. He does it all the time. And if someone underthrows that ball, he'll be there to make a play on the football as well. Jerome Baker, there was one play in particular I liked. We saw the speed again in this game where he has, they have two tight ends in tight at the formation, double Ys as they're called. And he locates the outside tight end and undercuts his flat route after he jams the inside tight end on this particular play. And he just, he's able to get his head around, get back in the, in the play. And he knows he can undercut that route and play underneath because of that speed long range that you probably don't have to worry about the takeoff from that tight end. And so every week he just has these plays where you see him really just get himself in good position coverage-wise, run game-wise, or as a pass rusher as well. So Jerome Baker just getting it done. Andrew Van Ginkle, the strength and aggressiveness to go get a block. I love the way this edge, the edge of this defense attacks blocks. There's a play where they pull a backside guard. He goes in there and just smacks it. And because Brandon Jones holds the point, playing inside as well and he landed Robert shoots in like a missile the running back has to bubble and there is Gink to clean that thing up once he gets off the block him and E-Rob get the tackle for loss early in the game going back outside again here to Xavier Howard I mean the pick that he makes, they run a little switch route where the inside slot receiver, Tyler Boyd, tries to go a fade off a natural rub route from the outside receiver, T. Higgins, kind of cutting back inside. And Howard gets over the top of the pick, gets right back into phase, and elevates with a 180 spin for the reverse jam, as it were, and just goes up there, high points, it and picks it off. I just wrote down Unreal. I mean, it's happening every single week, and this the quality of these interceptions is... It's pretty ridiculous to watch on a week-in, week-out basis. Later, T. Higgins condenses into a tight formation and tries to get to the corner off an inside release. He comes across the formation like he wants to run that over out, and X beats him to the spot inside. Then, when Higgins turns it back and breaks it to the outside, he just flips the hips and stays in phase, and... 
you know, going back to Byron Jones and, and last week, I talked about putting a mirror on the tape and you can pretty much see some of these reps that have the same route from either wide receiver with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Same exact thing here. Same play, same route, same look. Both guys take inside releases and go back to the corner and they just almost with, like I said, the mirror, you can flip it around and watch both these guys do the same thing to get in good position to make a, an incomplete pass happen. So just continued excellent play from Miami's perimeter cornerbacks. Going back to the pass rush, Emmanuel Ogba, and you know he's more than just a pass rusher. His ability to dent the edge, you see it consistently on a week-in, week-out basis. The, the length that he has that he plays with and the power from which he can really generate some push and, and work down the backside of the line. There's a play early on where the tight end tries to block him and wall him off, and he just takes him and pretty much throws him into the back. On the missed field goal drive, he takes his inside hand and just stabs it across the outside shoulder of the tackle so he can keep his outside hand free and gets out to the outside of the play and makes a stop at the line on a tackle. Just so strong in those hands. You see it consistently. And you pair that with his pass rush where he got the strip sack and nearly scoop and score from Wilkins that was overturned. He just shows a quick first step inside that kind of leaves the tackle frozen because he probably expects more of a power move, but he wins inside quickly to go with those those powerful, powerful hands. He truly is something, man. Fun to watch. Zach Sealer, his sack and run stop. He had a, a tackle at the line and a sack in this game. I thought were pretty similar. Just a quick first step inside, upfield, throws his weight into the guard, then rips through with that inside arm to help him get off balance, then crosses back across face and really discards him with a, just a double hand swipe and throws him off. Powerful, powerful dude. And when he gets that momentum going, eh, man, it's tough to stop him. Raekwon Davis, same thing. I just like the way bodies bounce off 98. He generally gets to where he wants to go regardless if there's a blocker in his way or not. And then Kyle Van Noy had the big game, three sacks and five tackles for loss. It's a weekly note for him attacking the edge to just get himself in position where he can read and react, where he's He's resetting the line of scrimmage initially with that first shock where he goes out and aggressively attacks the block, and he so often gets on that outside upfield shoulder, which sets a hard edge that funnels things back inside where he can either spin off inside or just help Jerome Baker or Landon Roberts or someone come down into that gap, into that alley and make the play. On the very next play after he does this to help a, a TFL, he he drops into coverage in the hook zone on a pair of crossing routes, you know, a mesh concept where they try to cross up the linebackers in the middle from either side of the formation. And he reads it, gets into both hook zones right there, or into the hook zone rather to disrupt both routes, and then just closes on Brandon Allen once he takes off. A good job by Seeler and Ogba to reset their, their men uh, that were blocking them to force Allen to come off the spot. And just good overall coverage there. Good team sack on Kyle Van Noy's first sack. And, you know, I just love the way in coverage these guys jump off routes to cut off avenues for the quarterback on those quick hot reads. They have a good beat on where the ball might be going. They cut that thing off and the quarterback has to get to a second read. And by that time, oftentimes with this pass rush scheme, it's too late. Now, the second sack for Kyle Van Noy is a nice upfield move, gets the guard set a little bit too deep and then crosses across his face, working off the pick by Christian Wilkins, who continues to set guys up for plays in this defense. And Kyle just wins inside before they have a chance to react for it for a big sack on third down. All three of his sacks did come on third down, including the third, which I thought was his best sack. This time, there's no stunt. He's just up in that A-gap, mugged up by himself, and he takes a nice little inside step that gets the guard leaning one way and then just uses acceleration and explosion to blow past him. Big, big game for KVN. And then on the back end, we don't talk enough about these guys, especially in a game where Miami plays so well up front that they can pretty much just 
force McCain and Eric Rowe to not get many targets or to not get much action. Just the general tackling among all three of the safeties that play significant reps. We talked about Bobby's tackling percentage. There's a third and 11 where Allen takes the hot to the tight end Drew Sample and both Rowe and Jones are immediately there to stick him for a seven yard gain on third and 11. That's a big win. All of these guys have been so solid in this area and their communication remains just a work of art. Chef's kiss. You see them hand signaling a lot before the snap and talking as the offense shifts or motions or even when they do that quick break out of the huddle like McVeigh for the Rams for instance a couple times in the Bengals in this game they break the huddle and get to the line they're quick to make communication you know to make their communication checks and just always talking and seemingly getting on the same page to get this defensive production where it is right now which is just one of the best in the league it's fun to watch every single week man I cannot wait to watch them go up against that Chiefs offense on Sunday And so there is your defensive review, another very strong performance from this Miami Dolphins defense. We pick it back up quickly here on the offensive side of the ball and just some general notes about the schemes and the calls and and the the plan on offense. I was really a big fan of how much RPO they tried getting going in this game. We saw a decent amount of it with Ryan Fitzpatrick last week, and that stuff is obviously what Tua excelled with in college. And while every team does have, you know, some variation of RPO in college, he really helped take it to another level and make that, you know, their calling card there at Bama, those quick pop passes that would get big yak because of the timing and anticipation and location on those throws. Saw it earlier in this game, early with uh, Lynn Bowden catching a pass to start the second drive of the game. Clean mechanics, quick rip, puts the ball in good location, comes right back on the following series. And I liked how Gailey on this play flexed out Miles Gaskin to a split outside the numbers to take the linebacker out there it cover him in man coverage and then you create some space in the middle and Gasicki runs a little in-cut route and gets open from the RPO to help get that drive started. Very next play, they motion over Bowden and Shaheen pulls backside as well and they get both those guys out in space for Shaheen to lead block and Bowden gets clear with something like 8-10 yards of separation with nobody near him. So that was creating some plays early in the game to get the offense going. Then the fake down around the goal line, the fourth and one fake that got uh, brought back because of the failure to report on the outside by the offensive linemen. They get three on three in the middle. They hit all those blocks and Matt Hawk just hits that hole quickly. Cool touchdown to see, unfortunately taken off the board, obviously, but more cool design there from Danny Crossman. In the second drive of the third quarter, they have these three plays, a sequence of plays that all feature some form of Jakeem Grant coming across the formation in motion pre-snap. The first one, they give it to Jakeem on a pop pass and he just wins the edge, gets some blocks, picks up 20-something yards. Good start to the drive. Come back a few plays later and the fake pop pass and the give inside to Miles Gaskin gets you a nice chunk, five yards on the ground that way after you watch the linebackers kind of follow Jakeem open to the outside of the formation when he goes in motion. The third time they wait till he crosses to a pre-snap and snap the thing after he's crossed the quarterback in motion and that creates some space for Devontae Parker on a little comeback route with some good location there and good timing between he and Tua as well. So a nice sequencing of plays, nice execution there from the offense. We talked about Tua and I thought he really started getting things going when he had that deep shot early or in the second quarter to Jakeem Grant down the middle of the field. Really good pass protection on that play. They run a crosser in the face of the deep safety. He kind of steps up and takes that and Jakeem gets behind the defense and the ball's on the hash just floating out there. Couldn't quite finish it off, but that play, that deep shot opening up the the defense on the back end, that's going to go and pay dividends for this Dolphins offense to get that vertical look in there for this offense. The second throw out of the half, it's an RPO pop to Mike Gesicki, and that was a play that, again, got that drive going and put together the start of a very strong drive from two in the offense. RPO pop to Gesicki right in the tight window, throws it before Mike is in the window, and the ball arrives in that window just as Mike does move the sticks. 
get your offense started on that drive. Then a couple of plays later, a rip to Parker, and he's not even out of his break when the ball comes out. He's starting to sink into the out route just as the ball's being, as Tua's hands are separating at the point back in the pocket, and he just runs right through it, really starting to dig the location of these throws as they are putting it right on the chest, or Tua is putting it right on the chest of these Dolphins pass catchers. Then you get the big play to Miles Gaskin. I mean, this is three different ways to beat you with the mechanics and quick trigger out of the RPO, then the anticipation rip on the out route to Parker, then to extend a play with really nobody open downfield. The broken play creates this opportunity for Gaskin to come off the route and find open space. And the ball is just layered out in front of him for a big run after the catch. Good job to extend the play once the initial structure looks like it might not work out and create space for Gaskin to make a big play there. Then he finishes off the same drive with a touchdown to Gasicki. The safety kind of comes up underneath on the fake and on the fake handoff to Gaskin after all those runs down there they bite on that little fake inside and it gets Kasiki on top and he throws it Tua does on the outside shoulder high and away for a perfect location for Mike to get that ball pulled away and secure it for the touchdown I thought that was Tua's best drive since that 93 yarder back in Arizona that's my opinion speaking about the impressive nature of how he beat the uh, Bengals defense on that drive he comes back on the very next drive and moves the defense with a ball fake where he he goes to throw and, and keeps it and then reholsters and gets quickly back into a position where he can threaten the defense with that quick release and winds up flipping it out there for another big play just piling up these chunk plays after chunk plays getting in that rhythm and that throw to Devontae where he gets up and runs to the end zone but they ruled him down man have mercy on that play free rush right in his face to the play side he sidesteps it out to the right and then slides back into the open spot vacated by that free rusher in the pocket throws it off platform between two defenders in a spot where only Devonte can go down and get it just very nice quarterback play on that drive so I thought two a second half was super impressive in this game and it got started early with that deep shot to Jakeem Grant we talked about Mike Kosicki there a little bit, and we've talked about his production getting through some bumps and reroutes and that sort of thing, but he was just given some space to operate in this game and showed off some of the athletic ability. Obviously, that one-handed catch was so, so unreal. It's all you can say about it. Just an unreal play by Mike Kosicki. And then later on a pass that wasn't down in the red zone, but in the middle of the field, he high points a ball and keeps it out of that tuck zone. He talked about that last week after the Jets game, keeping it out of your numbers inside because that's where the defensive back wants to punch their hand. He keeps himself clean there and gets the catch on a tough contested ball. So another big game from Mike Gesicki. Austin Jackson, I like the athletic ability off the edge, the punch, the active feet, the weight distribution once he absorbs that initial contact, gets himself back into a position when the pass rusher wants to redirect and kind of get that second move, the counter move to his first punch, and he wins that second wave with the quick feet staying active with the feet, smooth athletic ability. That's such a valuable trait for a left tackle to have in this league. And Austin certainly has it in spades. I really thought he got more and more comfortable as the game went along. A lot of one-on-one pass rush wins for Austin Jackson. Solomon Kinley, I just wrote down he's an absolute house. This guy, his ability to get in space and just clear guys out because of that sheer density and power that he offers in that frame and there was you know plenty of cases back in Georgia where he was moving guys off the ball with double teams and getting to the second level thought we saw plenty of that in this game with Austin Jackson as well had a note on Mac Hollins on a a Lynn Bowden 11 yard rush the one carry he had in the game where he comes across the formation like a tight end would to clear out the backside or I should say the front side edge and kind of get that edge set for the inside Lynn Bowden run. And I thought Bowden was shifty on that play. Looked good getting the ball out of the shotgun on the handoff from Tua Tungavailoa. And this is the value of his versatile skill set. You can get that carry out of the RPO look they ran there. And it gives you the opportunity to run a no back set and still run the football where you can 
bring one of your receivers into the backfield and run the ball. That's a tough matchup to really handle for the defense to get their personnel right. So like that versatility he offers. Shaheen played 26 snaps in this game. I had several good notes on run blocks and working to the second level and clearing out some space there. And he gets free to the flat on the play before the fake field goal, opening up for a possible touchdown, but we just can't get it. So some work in the pass game, some work in the running game. Fun to watch Adam Shaheen continue to grow in this offense. Miles Gaskin, plenty of good runs in this game, but the screen pass where he shed the tackle that's a drive changer and kind of a game changer by the way he's able to keep his balance and you watch his feet stay active as that that tackler tries to get him down. The feet stay active and it helps him stay on balance and get a big play out of it. Jakeem Grant had a couple of big plays in this game as well. You give him a slight window on those pop passes to the outside, he's going to take that thing and turn it up and get some good yardage. Very similar to a punt return for Jakeem to make those big plays that way. He gets good blocks by Karras and Kinley and Jackson out in front on the first one for a 12-yard rip. Love watching those off Offensive linemen get out in space. They do a good job out there. Several key blocks downfield in this game on screen passes and in the running game for this Dolphins offense. And then I put a note in here for Jesse Davis. I thought he looked really smooth at right guard, squared up plenty of his blocks, got some good push in the running game. Just a, a good job coming off the bench, and you learn the true value there of Jesse Davis. So offense. Very, very strong second half. I'm encouraged to see how they can carry this thing over into the next week against the Chiefs. And we'll have that all 22 covered for you guys next week here on the podcast as well. Let's go ahead and turn this thing over to the assistant coaches and coordinators who spoke to the media on Tuesday. Let's go ahead and start with offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, who was asked about up-tempo offense. Yeah, I I think we will continue to use it. Uh, How much? uh, I think it'll depend on the game. It'll depend on the situation. Um, we, we felt like that that would help us in the second half of that game, and uh, obviously it did. Uh, but I think as time goes on, we'll just have to see how much how much of it we'll use, you know, what direction it goes. Uh, but it was obviously good for him and for us. Uh, so it'll be a part of it'll be part of what we do. Uh, I'm pretty sure from here on out. Let's go ahead and pick this thing right back up here with Chan, who was asked about the benefits of that no-huddle offense, that up-tempo offense, what it does for the quarterback, but also the challenges it puts in front of his offense. Here's Chan on the up-tempo offense benefits and challenges. Well, the, the challenges are um, he doesn't get as much time to see what's happening. Uh, uh, the benefits are the defense doesn't get to see as much time to see what's happening. So... Um, you, you got to decide the trade-off, and that's where it is. Um, you, are you gaining more by by being in the up tempo, or are you, um, you know, I don't want to say handcuffing, but are you um, hampering the quarterback's ability to see everything that's going on? So, um, as we as we design it. Um, what we might use each week, we, we try to take that into consideration and uh, use it to however it might be uh, the most beneficial for us so that we can, we can get the most out of it. But those are the two things that I would say. Let's get one more here from Chan, who was asked about the Dan Orlovsky breakdown that he put on Twitter early Tuesday morning, showing Tua's ability to manipulate coverage and defense with not just his eyes, but body position. He was asked about that. Here's Chan talking about Tua's ability to manipulate and move the defense. You know, I I think he's learning every day about how to do that. Um, You know, in college, you you look one way and and you turn back and and you throw. And, 
you can be kind of definitive about it. Look hard one way and then come back and throw the other way. You have to be a lot more subtle here. Those defenders have seen a lot of things uh, if they're not rookies. So you have to be you have to be more subtle about it. And I think he's learning the subtleties of looking with with his eyes or moving his shoulders instead of moving his eyes or doing things like that. And and he's I think he's coming along in that. Let's go ahead and get a question here for Coach Danny Crossman, who was asked about the punt return aggressive nature of Jakeem Grant and fair catching, whether or not he should have fair catch more or return as many punts as he does. Right, but I, I think there's, you know, there's always the the fine line. You know, we're yeah, we're going to be aggressive, but there's also a, you know, we're also trying to be trying to be smart and and understand and manage the situation. Every uh, every punt's a different you know opportunity based on you know our look, their look the punt. So there's a lot of things that, that, uh, that go involved in, in those decisions. Bottom line is, you know, as a punt returner, that the number one job of that guy is making good decisions. So we'll just continue, you know, with our rules and how we want to play it and, uh, and, and make the right decisions, hopefully each time. Let's get a couple of questions for Dolphins defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, who first was asked about Byron Jones and the value he provides, despite the fact that he doesn't get takeaways or doesn't have an interception on the season. Does he help funnel footballs to Xavier Howard? Let's hear Josh Boyer talk about the game of Byron Jones. Well, I I think the thing with Byron is, is, uh, you know, you know, whether it's zone or man or in the run game, um, you know, he's consistently been able to do, do what we've asked of him. And, you know, and for the most part, you know, it's, you know, like I said, you, you can have a great game as a corner and have really a zero stat line. Um, you know, if you don't give up a third down pass, you don't give up a red area pass. Um, you don't have any penalties, um, you know, uh, no missed tackles, like for, for a corner that they, they can have a great game and really, Nobody would even know they had a great game unless you went back and really kind of studied the film. So, you know, and I think Byron works hard at a lot of those things. And there's a lot of things that he does that are unseen. And then I would say, you know, like like everybody, you know, like, you know, myself included. I mean, there's always things that you can improve on. And, and you know, and we work hard to do that. Byron does that. He's a diligent worker. Uh, but he's been productive for us. And uh, glad we have him. We heard Shaq Lawson talk post-game about the value of Christian Wilkins, both from an energy standpoint and production. So Coach Hobby, Dolphins defensive line coach, was asked about getting Christian back after missing a pair of games. Before you know, his energy level is contagious. His personality is contagious. You know, and um, he can lead by example on the field. He's an unselfish football player, so he don't mind doing the dirty work inside. Um, you know, but it just happened to have him back. You know, uh, we say meeting room, but on Zoom, having him at practice, you know, he brings a lot to the table. Let's go ahead and pick it up here with Dolphins linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli. I had a chance to ask him about a comment that Eric Rowe made on Monday regarding Kyle Van Noy's experience and the calming nature it provides this Dolphins defense when he makes a check at the line. Here's coach Campanelli on Van Noy's experience and the calming nature he provides on that defense when they make a check. Um, I just, I think that's always extremely valuable when you have um, somebody who, who knows the system uh, as well as Kyle does and is as conscientious and, and works uh, that hard at it throughout the week, you know, based on what we're trying to do um, with checks and, and stuff like that within the system. I think he does a great job with that. And um, I would agree with Eric. I, I think um, 
he, he's, he's a big help, certainly for everybody when he's on. I want to go ahead and finish up here with some comments from Gerald Alexander, Dolphins defensive backs coach, first on cornerback Byron Jones, but then also another comment on rookie cornerback Noah Egbenogany. Going to go ahead and play these sound clips for you guys back to back. Byron is a very, very smart player, you know, and I think that, you know, from a, from myself to Byron to, 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 to Charles Burks, who works with, with the corners as well, and just all of us in the secondary really, really kind of challenge one another and, and being able to, especially for us as coaches, to be great teachers and give these guys the valuable information and the useful information that they can apply on a, on, on a game day or, or on a specific rep to put themselves in positions to make plays. And so um, I think that that's kind of led to the, the success that we've had as a, as a secondary and as a defense. And, um, and that work is only going to continue to wrap itself up, you know, starting with this week. And, and really when you get into the month of December, you know, they, they remember December and, you know, we're just doing everything that we can as coaches, as a secondary, as a crew uh, to put ourselves in the best positions possible for Sundays. And Noah's done a really good job. I mean, Noah's in a very unique situation. I mean, he's a high-round draft guy playing behind, you know, two of the more elite corners that are in the National Football League that are playing at a high level. Um, so he's able to really kind of lock in and, and, and get valuable practice reps. And I think the things that he's improved on over the course of the season is, you know, especially as a corner, is just, you know, his footwork. You know, this was still a guy who was a very athletic prospect coming in, but doesn't really have a lot of the banked rep as a corner, you know, as a, as a guy that's, that's, that's asked to play at this level right now, but, you know, something as small as fundamentally as his patience and his footwork at the line of scrimmage, which he works diligently on um, every single day and, and being able to take practice reps against Devontae and Jakeem and, and all that stuff. So when he is thrusted into action, like he, like he was uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, those are the things that he's been working on. You know, it's been a long time since that Buffalo Bills game. You know, but now he's kind of worked himself into continuing to develop as we had planned for him all along. This guy was always going to be a developing prospect with great skill. So there you have it. You can find the rest of those press conferences up on MiamiDolphins.com. We'll go ahead and produce those guys for you there as well as the YouTube page. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Don't miss the latest edition of the Fish Tank Podcast. They just put that one out with Charles Jordan. Also the Audible Podcast with John and Bo. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, until tomorrow for the game preview, fins up.